Welcome to Scary Savannah and Beyond. This is going to be episode 24, Crystal. What an exciting number. They get more and more exciting as they go up, don't you think? Yeah, it's kind of a significant number. Her son is 24. He is 24. And there's another reason why that number is significant to us, right? Yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. Okay, cool. So you can find us on all social media platforms by looking for the user at Scary Savannah. Please check out our website at scarysavannahandbeyond.com. Don't forget to check out our amazing merch store where you can get things such as our new Layla and Coffee Talk mug. Right. And it's got Layla and coffee on it. Both of these insane beasts (laughs) on one beautiful mug. So make sure to check that out. Also, don't forget to enter our April merchandise giveaway. Absolutely free. All you got to do is go to our website. Look for the giveaway tab at the top. Click on that. Answer three really easy questions. And then you can be entered to win something that we'll announce on an upcoming episode. You could buy my lovely co-host some coffee. She does enjoy the caffeination that that provides for her. If you just click on that little icon down here that shows you how to buy a coffee for Crystal. So, Crystal, speaking of Crystal, (laughs) how has Crystal been this week? I've been excellent. We actually celebrated our 24th wedding anniversary. I can't believe we kept her this long. She's clearly (laughs) blonde or got some kind of issues. I don't know. We had dinner at a fancy restaurant in downtown Savannah called Noble Fair. It was very noble. The food was excellent. The ambiance was amazing. We even had a fancy booze with pillows all to ourselves. Yes, and it was quite nice. I've never had pillows in my eating experience that weren't (laughs) already on my couch. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. And like most things in Savannah, it was haunted. Because everything in Savannah is haunted, including McDonald's. We asked our server if she had any experiences, and this is what we found out. I do have one other question. Is this building haunted? Uh, yes. His name is Frank. Uh, you might, like, they I swear to God I see him behind me in mirrors. Oh, goodness. Uh, and the owners used to live upstairs. This was their house for many years. Uh, and when we first opened, we ran dinner service downstairs, and they lived upstairs. And they said they saw him all the time. And, like, when they first hired me, they are like, yeah, watch out for Frank. Uh, and then they are like, oh, no, like, Frank's a ghost. And I was like, I, like, still don't feel better about this, you know? So you've seen him. I did. Like I said, I swear I see him behind me in mirrors and I'm like... Uh, a couple of weeks ago, like one of the eyeglasses I was hanging, like fell like over my head, oh, like, goodness. broke on top of my head, uh, and they're like, "Yeah, Frank's coming for you." Like, oh. <laughs> okay. What's the story of Frank? Is that just what they call him, or is there some story? I don't know his story, uh, but I know he is here. So, yeah, they seem to have a resident ghost named Frank, and no one seems to be overly bothered with it. No. As you do in Savannah. It's just a normal part of their everyday life. You just deal with it. Yeah. We didn't see anything in the mirror except for our own pretty faces, but maybe next time. Indeed. (laughs) Maybe next time I might see a pretty face of my own instead (laughs) of just yours. But we did have some paranormal experiences later when we did an investigation tour at the historic Savannah Theater, which we actually talked about in a previous episode. The tour was provided by a company called Truth and Evidence, 
which is a local paranormal group here in Savannah. We got to the theater at about 10.30-ish p.m. Well, who am I kidding? It's me. We got there exactly at 10.30 Yeah, you're like sitting there and we're in the square. You're looking at your watch until we get, (laughs) until it's like 10.29, we're walking in. Yeah, and we walked in. And then they took those big glass doors and locked us and approximately 10 other people into the building for the next three hours. Yeah, only one guy had the key, so you couldn't leave. Yeah. And they let us use their equipment, which included such fancy items as thermal imagers, infrared cameras, EMF detectors, spirit boxes, and the coolest thing, an REM pod. Yeah, I've never seen one before. A REM pod. REM I think pod. they called it a REM pod. Yeah, a REM pod. It was definitely fancy. You got to look mm-hmm. it up. They're like $200, though, so I don't think we're going to get one anytime soon. Oh, he's probably already ordered one. I got three on the way. <laughs> They're very cool. They had an antenna on it that sort of worked like a capacitance probe. And when something got Define. near it, capacitance? I well, know it's it. radio frequency capacitance. Okay. It's when there's a change in the capacitance value, it will hit a threshold that will cause an alarm to go off. Okay. I actually sell these things in my real life job. Wow. They use them to measure level. Cool. No one cares. I do. I, th- I didn't even know that. Nobody cares. <laughs> 24 years and I didn't know what you do. <laughs> Thanks I, for explaining that. I'm not real sure either. <laughs> and when something gets near one of these probes, and it has to be very close too. Yeah. It's approximately like 10, 10 inches, inches. 10 inches to a foot approximately there are various colored led lights and they will change different colors and it will make an audible sound and the sound changes in frequency as something gets closer and if something actually makes physical contact with the probe then it just goes haywire and there's no way that you will not know Mm -hmm. that that thing is going off the light gets really bright red and it's like wee yeah so you know something has to be extremely close for these things to activate. It yeah, doesn't, they don't just go off. Randomly. They didn't have false positives either. I mean, no. we we did that by our actual presence, and of course, I had to put my hand on the probe a few times to, yeah. just to make it go off. I think I scared a few of the other girls that were there when, when we did it. Yeah, I'm like they were scared. I'm like, why are you here? I'm like, why are you on a <laughs> paranormal investigation <laughs> if you're scared of ghosts? I, know. I mean, I know I say I'm scared of you. ghosts. <laughs> But I wasn't scared. It wasn't, it didn't feel scary there. No, these ghosts were not malevolent. Yeah. They're, they're fun ghosts. Yeah. They gave us a brief tour that described the history of the building and it was quite informative. Yeah. Lots we, of fires. Well, we already knew that. Yeah. <laughs> but we got more detail on yeah, the fires. Yeah, more details of the fires. We learned a lot of things that we didn't already know. Yeah. And Mike, who was our guide, was very knowledgeable mm-hmm. and helped us to get set up to go and investigate the yeah, building. It took like an hour and a half just to get everything set up. Yeah, it did. They then let us roam the building at our leisure doing our own investigation. We didn't really get a lot of hits on any of our devices that we were using, except for a small area that was back behind stage right. The area there was under the catwalk ladder, and it was adjoined by some of that amazing Savannah gray brick that we talk about. You notice that on the wall. I had the infrared camera, and Crystal had an EMF detector, which looked just like something from Ghostbusters. Hey, it's coffee. Hey, cough. In the middle of the floor, they had placed one of these rim pods, and Mike had also modified a guitar amp with a noise filter pedal chained into it, which um, the musician in me was very proud to have seen this, you know, and that was also attached to a spirit box. And if you've ever heard a spirit box in action, 
It sounds like a radio transmitter where someone takes the knob and just sort of sweeps through the channels. Yeah. It's like, duh, 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 duh. so it's mostly static, but his noise filter actually did a very good job it of did. filtering out a lot of the static noise that was not useful for the investigation. Yeah, the first one I heard was when we went to the Zach Bagans Haunted Museum and it was extremely loud and kind of like annoying. So this one was cool. It was yeah. like, he Not had it set up in that room where it was in the basement, and they said that's Peggy. where they had done. Oh, they had several, actually. Yeah. They had one in the basement, yeah. too, and it was going off. We need to talk about that place yeah. on a future episode. Yeah. People started talking when we went in this room. We all set up in a circle around it, and so we started asking questions. And I don't remember who asked this. It may have been Crystal. We asked who was with us, asked their name. Yeah. And we got an extremely clear response yeah. that said Anthony. Yeah, we all heard it say Anthony. So I had pulled out my iPhone in order to capture some video of our own so that we'd have something to share on our show because yeah. everything we used was recording and they're going to go through it and see if they found anything. We Unfortunately, you started recording after he said Anthony. <laughs> so you didn't capture that, but it's on their video. Yeah. We asked Anthony if he was an actor. And we didn't get much of any kind yeah. of response. And then I asked him if he was a musician. As Mike had mentioned at one point, they had an orchestra pit at the front of the stage at one yeah. point in the history of the theater. And he responded that, yes, he was a musician. I tried to capture some of this on my phone, but it was very dark. Yeah. So I actually videoed the LCD screen of the infrared camera that I was using. And I'm going to post some of that video where we actually talked to him and got that response right now. Anthony, were you a musician? Anthony, I'm a musician too. That means something's touching, but no. So Anthony, oh, you like music, huh? I do too. Can you show up on the camera for us, Anthony? Are any of my friends back here that want to talk to us? I feel like I cooled the room down by coming in. Yeah, it's like a cool. It was like super hot. Maybe they're scared of you. <laughs> no, normally back here, if I'm not back here, they don't talk. Oh my gosh, we were talking. Oh, I told you. See, I told you. Okay, it was a very great experience. And if you're ever in the Savannah area, I highly recommend doing it. If you're not scared of ghosts, because we did feel, even when we weren't getting big responses, they turn all the lights off yeah. and it's so dark. You can't really see anything going on. And they take you through a lot of really dark, small places, like yeah. a hallway, a couple different hallways. A mirror room. It was creepy. We got some responses in there from someone named John. And yeah. what was the other guy's name? Do you remember? I don't. There was another one. I don't remember. And then we talked to, there's supposed to be a kid there. Bishop. Named Oh, it yeah, Bishop. Bishop. Yeah, Bishop. And there's supposed to be a kid there named Ben. When I asked him if he wanted to play, he said sleep. We got the word sleep clearly. Because like, yeah. it was very, it was very late. late. It was like one in the morning. And and we went from 1030 to 130. We had mentioned in our previous episode that Ben was supposedly trampled in the balcony area when they had a fire in the theater. I think it was in the 1949 fire. And so we walked to the stairwell where people had tried to go down turns out the door at the bottom of the stairs was closed and locked so they all rushed to the other exit which is how he was trampled that stairwell they had set up a rim pod in and a spirit box and we were standing there trying to get a response did not hear a response but when i was standing there i felt a cold gust of wind feel like it blasted behind my back mm -hmm. like something had or somebody 
had just walked past me behind me. Yeah. And so that was a little weird because there was, I didn't feel anything else like that the rest of the night. They, their air conditioners are such that they're not blowing gusts of wind. Yeah. And we were just there. It was a cold gust of wind. And they told us that they had done over 300 investigations in the place and they have video cameras going constantly. And he showed us some videos that were really intriguing. Yeah. They had a, it looked like shadows and one looked like something coming straight through the closed door. Yeah. It was very impressive. If it's a real video, it was really impressive. It looked like something from a movie. It yeah. was so crisp and creepy. Just something emerged through a through closed, the door closed door. And walked door. across the floor. Yeah. So we enjoyed it. Over mm-hmm. in Savannah, go do it. It was you, definitely worth the money. So you can find out more if you would be interested in doing one of these tours yourself. If you go to their website, it's Thai Haunted Tours, and that's spelled T-I-E Haunted Tours.com. Tell them Scary Savannah and Beyond sent you. They don't know who we are. <laughs> well, you did th- give them a card. I don't think it'll help get you a discount, <laughs> but we would just like them to know that we appreciated the tour and... Yeah, you should definitely check it out if you're in town. Yeah. So this week, I got to pick the topic of what we were going to cover. And I'm sure Crystal will regret it. I already do. Because when I'm given free reign over something, it typically goes screaming off the rails at the speed of Brett. You do have a tendency to get ahead of yourself. Yes, but this won't be one of those times. How did you change clothes so fast? This is no time for logic or reason, we have to get to the Old West. Well, you've threatened this for a while, so I guess now is the time. I've got my cowboy boots, so I'm ready. Aha. In the words of one of my heroes, John Wayne, a man's gotta do what a man's gotta do. As you can see, we're going to be covering some Old West ghost stories. I love the Old West. There are countless movies in my patented top five favorite movies list set in the Old West, including my absolute favorite movie, Rio Bravo, starring none other than John Wayne and one of my favorite singers, Dean Martin. Dino. So if that, and uh, I know the other one's Tombstone, so can you name even one more Western that's in your top five? Yeah. What? High Plains Drifter. Have we seen that? I haven't. I might have just made that You've one You've never seen that. I've seen so many Western movies. I've seen at least three. <laughs> so you have a top five with I three. I saw Tombstone. I saw Wide Earp. Oh, yeah. That's at least three. Okay. So There are several three, others. Three in your five? Yeah. You've seen? Three of my five. <laughs> okay. Top three, top five list of top ten movies that are my top five favorite movies that are in my top five list. Okay. Dean Martin. My Rifle, My Pony, and Me. Yes, I love that song. She hates it. I hate that song. (laughs) I've been fascinated with Westerns for many years. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many times my friends and I traded Val Kilmer's Doc Holliday lines from Tombstone in high school. You're still doing it. Every single day. I'm sure it was enough to make anybody wish that we'd shut up. I still do. Of course you do. (laughs) That movie was a veritable treasure trove of one-liners. I'll and be ever, your Huckleberry. You certainly will be. <laughs> and ever since we started this podcast, I knew I would have to do at least one episode about the Old West. And like a sneaky bandit, I picked this topic while Crystal was off doing something important. Like work? Exactly. <laughs> 
So now she has no choice but to talk about cowboys and such for the next hour or so. So without further ado, let's saddle up and get right to the stories. So cheesy. No, I'm not. I'm amazing. (laughs) The first story is going to be coming to us from none other than Texas. Mm -hmm. And in my research, I found this interesting story. It's about a headless horseman. And I know that when I think of the Headless Horseman, the first thing that comes to my mind is Ichabod Crane and that amazing Disney cartoon. I've never seen it. You've never seen that? What is wrong with you? Well, I just know su- I know what it's about, basically. Just but. suffice it to say there was one and that it was really good. Well, it was it. Yes, it was amazing. Really? It was so good. Why can't believe you haven't it? seen it. Why haven't we watched it? Because you hate everything I love. <laughs> This is, I love headless people. <laughs> well, that's a whole true crime aspect. I know. It's not like the way we're talking about it. But did you know that there's another headless horseman other than the one that you don't know about? I did not know that. This is a rather obscure tale about just such a creature. It's officially known as El Muerto. I hope I got the Spanish pronunciation correct. Pronunciation? Yeah, you did. Probably. Which translates as the dead man. Or the dead man. This story dates back to the mid-1800s, a cool time to be a cowboy, it seems. And as we talked about in our previous episode with the bloody benders, messing with someone's horse is a big deal. A capital crime. Why do you think people were always trying to steal horses when it carried such serious consequences? Money. It's always money. It's always money. I bet you could probably get a good used 1825 Pinto back then for cheap from a good rustler. Probably. I think that's where my mama got hers. Probably. Used to drive me to kindergarten in that thing. Talking about a horse. (laughs) Pinto horse. He's a Pinto. The joke just went right over your head. (laughs) No, it didn't. I thought it was hilarious. So, (laughs) I wonder if back then there were actually used car salesmen. Or horse, as it were. And like a cowboy in a tweed suit would walk up to the floor model of the horse and just, you know, slap its hindquarters and then offer you a great deal on a low mileage pony. They probably didn't have those towering blow up monstrosities like they do now outside of the lot, you think? Probably not. They probably did send telegrams to let you know of extended horse warranties, though, I would imagine. I think they called me today. Yeah. How's your horse doing? Tried to call me collect. I didn't accept the call. What'll happen if it needs to be reshoed and you're out on the side of the road (laughs) in the middle of the prairie, 150 miles away from the nearest town? This story is about a horse rustler by the name of Vidal. Is it Vidal? Might be Vidal. Who knows? I don't know. Is it like Vidal Sassoon? Okay, we'll call him Vidal then. (laughs) It seems he was a professional horse rustler. As I read, he had a bounty on his head, but was still dealing with hot horses. He was doing well with his trade until he made the mistake of stealing some horses that belonged to a Texas ranger. I only know one. And not Nolan Ryan. Oh, that was my guess. No, this was from Creed Taylor. Oh, Creed. That's a cool name. Is that not the most Texas Old West lawman name that you've ever heard? It is. Yeah. I'm sure there was at least one character with that name in a John Wayne movie. It seems that during this time, you didn't want to mess with Texas lawmen. But then again, when do you think there was a good time 
to do this. Never. They were apparently hardened by the burden of their duty and were willing to go that extra mile in the name of justice. And by extra mile, I mean extreme acts of violence as it seems you were wont to do in the Old West. A big issue of the time was the border between the U.S. and Mexico, and it seems that these two countries had an issue agreeing on said border. This created a no-man's land that stretched between the two nations. And to no one's surprise, crime was a big business in this area. And this wasn't just a jaywalking kind of crime like I that's, sometimes <laughs> yeah. commit. That's the worst crime you ever commit. A very sometimes kind of commit. Yeah, it kills you. It does. It was an extremely violent and dangerous area where only the hardest of men had a chance at survival. Good thing you were born 100 years later. Exactly. <laughs> the Texas Rangers who had to patrol this area by nature of this fact also had to be equally ruthless. I suppose you can imagine what they had to do in the name of keeping the peace. I've seen two Westerns, so I have an idea. Yeah, I've seen three or four. Okay. Mm. I imagine a lot of high-speed horse chases with lots of jumping between wagons and gunfire. And stunt doubles. Plenty of stunt doubles. They probably had fake mustaches on, too. Like fake eyelashes. Fake but, eyelashes. But, now, but back then it was fake mustaches. A rifle, my pony, and me. <laughs> Great song. Look it up. Check it out. Dino sang it. Baritone. Yeah. This is probably wrong, but don't let facts ruin my perception of the Old West. I never do. Mm -hmm. So although these rangers had to be tough guys and do some less than palatable things, it seems what Taylor did with his fellow rangers regarding this particular criminal was extreme, even by the standards of of the time. Taylor decided to track Vidal and the rest of his henchmen because, of course, he had henchmen. Every good bad guy does. In this no man's land. But he didn't do this alone. He was joined by some other equally dangerous men. Is that like on their resume? Probably. Equally dangerous. Or the cover letter. <laughs> yeah. Probably had a little logo yeah. sketched on there and said, I specialize in being dangerous. Equally dangerous to you. And I am quite a good henchman. One of these men was named Flores, who had also recently been the victim of a horse rustling event. And another Texas Ranger by the name of William Alexander Anderson Wallace. I think he needed at least one more name in there. Oh, he's got another name. Oh. And it was Bigfoot. Oh, okay. I Again, like it. why mess with someone known as Bigfoot? I never would. If you had a nickname in the Old West, you were probably a very bad dude. I think they all had nicknames, right? They were all something like Texas Turkey Creek That's Jack Johnson. That's what I was Johnson. thinking of. Turkey Creek Jack Johnson. Yeah. Curly Bill Brocious. <laughs> yeah. Curly Bill. Yeah. But... Vidal had a plan. It was all figured out. He was going to time his plot to coincide with a Comanche raid as cover. Clever. Many of the local ranch defenders were involved in fighting off the raid, which left their area vulnerable to opportunistic horse rustlers like Vidal and his crew of henchmen. <laughs> But what Vidal didn't account for was that Taylor and his band were hot on his trail. And I certainly wouldn't want to mess with a John Wayne-esque crew like that. The Rangers caught up to the horse rustlers at their hideout. And in true West fashion, 
waited until nightfall. Did it say hideout above their door? They probably did have an old rickety sign that they burnt yeah. with like, you know, an old heated up iron or something like yeah. they would shoe horses with i have no idea what you shoe horses with <laughs> i the, don't think you use nah. the iron they then ambushed the bandits and dispatched them in their sleep but vidal that's a nice way of saying it dispatched yeah but vidal the ringleader wasn't quite so fortunate to just die he had to become a warning to other outlaws that these deeds weren't going to go unpunished in taylor's mind he had to set an example for what would happen to any would-be criminals who would want to follow in Vidal's footsteps. After they killed the outlaws, Vidal's corpse was said to have been beheaded and then tied securely to a horse. I'm hoping it was at least a floor model, you know? <laughs> but they didn't just put his headless corpse on the horse. Oh, no, that's not good enough. They threw in an accessory for free. There wasn't even any undercarriage paint adder. They just oh, gave no. it straight to him. Vidal's head was also attached to the horse. Like so a hood like, ornament. Was it like dragging along the ground? Or I'm was assuming it? that it was like propped up right there near the horse's neck. So it was like looking oh. forward. I don't know. It just seems like that would be the coolest way to do it. Yeah. So that the horse had two faces. Oh, that is so that weird. That would be messed up. They then let the poor horse roam free with this corpse oh, wow. and the corpse's head tied to it, which means there were quite a few unfortunate people who had to encounter a real-life headless horseman. And you would think that that would be the end, right? I would think so. Surely, that's enough to create the legend of a headless horseman, yeah. since there was literally a headless horseman. I think so. But Wait. There's more. Oh, yeah? It seems that pony was wanting to put on quite a few miles before someone found him and traded him in on a newer model. <laughs> like, I gotta go. He was spotted many times in the area, carrying his horrifying passenger along with him. And I can only imagine how terrifying that looked as time went on, as Vidal's body decomposed on top of his steed. Yeah, decomposition is not pretty. I know. I imagine you're a big fan of decomposition and TV shows and such. You just love it when they show pictures of the corpses, I imagine. Hey, you like those shows too. I hate those scenes. I just like it when they find, well, there was a napkin that was thrown away, but on that napkin was a permanent marker that a guy had bought from a store in Toledo. Well, Toledo only sold 12 of these markers, and we traced 11 of those to somebody in Canada. That has <laughs> nothing to do with this story, but that one marker was sold to this guy in Kansas who used it to write on a receipt, which has nothing to do with the story. So back to this headless horseman. Yeah, it comes as no surprise that people say that bullets had no effect on him because you think the first thing they would do when they saw a headless horseman riding around on a horse is to shoot it. Shoot the horse? Both. Oh. The horse and the rider. Why would you shoot a headless man? Because it's the Old West. You shoot everything that moves. Oh, okay. Yeah. But why would you shoot a perfectly good horse? You could just because steal it. Because it's a devil horse. Oh, okay. So the, the horse is terrifying, yeah. too. Apparently. Okay. And this, along with numerous sightings, caused the legend of El Muerto to spread. It's also said that eventually the horse was captured still mounted by the monstrous body of his rider, Vidal. The corpse was sun-ravaged at this point, and I'm sure it was quite a sight to behold. 
You know, if this had happened now, it would probably totally blow up on the gram. Oh, for sure. Don't you think? Probably even have a trending hashtag on Twitter. Hashtag. Hashtag corpse corpse horse. (laughs) Corpse horse. Yeah. Hey, that sounds like a good band name. That is a good one. My new band, Corpse Horse. (laughs) At that point, the body was unceremoniously buried, but this did not stop the sightings because, of course, it didn't stop the sightings. How could it? Yeah, there is a recorded encounter from 1917. A couple was traveling by wagon to San Diego. They had set up camp for the night outside of town, and they said the next day that they had seen a large gray stallion speed by with a headless man shouting, It is mine. It is all mine. So this is after the body was buried? Yes. After wow. the body was buried. I like to think that after the horse sped by, the couple probably just very calmly kept eating their beans and sipping on their campfire coffee, commenting on the slightly odd sight before shooting a coyote and singing songs about doggies or whatever it is people called cattle back then. Is that what they called it? Doggies. Oh, that was, they didn't mean dogs, they meant cattle? Yes. Oh, so you See, truly learning, haven't watched I'm learning Western. so many things today. Yeah. Then, in 1969, El Muerto himself was spotted near Freer, Texas. I couldn't find any more information on that particular sighting, so I'm going to go with the same story as above, except they were probably sitting beside a Cadillac and eating Spam. And listening to Dean Martin. But that's just how it plays out in my mind. Tell me they were listening to Dean Martin. They were listening to Dean Martin. Ain't that a kick in the head? Mm, ain't that a hole in the boat? <laughs> kick in the head by the horse. Yeah. Ha, ha, ha. ha, ha, ha you ha, missed ha, my joke uh, that time. I don't we know see. anything. I'm definitely not. Ma'am. <laughs> so the legends live on today with people still claiming to spot the headless horsemen of Texas galloping through the clear moonlit nights ready to terrorize new victims. So if you find yourself by a campfire in South Texas. I often do. And you will. On just such a night, make sure to bring some extra popcorn because you might just be in for a showing of the movie of the night in person. Vidal, the headless horseman of South Texas. That was really interesting. Mm -hmm. I didn't know it had a real origin. So that'll wrap it up in South Texas. And we definitely can't have an episode without some kind of haunted house. Right, Crystal? I guess that's something we're known for. That's right. And since you were so nice for letting me talk about the Old West, I'm going to let you take this segment. It's my turn anyhow. Well, that's how John Wayne would have wanted it. Are you ever going to get tired of doing that? Doing what? Putting that ridiculous picture of John Wayne on the screen. You just don't stand for the American way, I guess. So this tale comes to us from the city of Deadwood, South Dakota. The most Old West of all city names. Stop it with the John Wayne pics. Sorry, I can't help myself. No more Duke. Is it out of your system yet? Yes. As I was saying, the tale is set in Deadwood, South Dakota. This story is about the haunted Bullock Hotel. In 1876, Seth Bullock and Soul Star arrived in Deadwood, South Dakota. More amazing Old West names. They were moving their hardware store from Helena, Montana, 
and arrived in an ox-drawn wagon that was piled high with mining equipment, Dutch ovens, frying pans, and chamber pots. All very valid and necessary items in the old world. Sounds like all the things we found at Goodwill today. We did. We bought all of those things, <laughs> we did. too. I got six chamber pots from one Goodwill long. <laughs> when they arrived, they wasted no time auctioning the equipment to the highest bidder. And this budding enterprise led to a very lucrative hardware business. So much so that they bought a lot on the corner of Main and Wall Street. That sounds very important. It does. This location is the current site of the Bullock Hotel. They were so successful that within a very short period of time, they were able to build a new store and a warehouse. But more about Bullock. Before he moved to Deadwood, he had been a sheriff in Lewis and Clark County, Montana. There's a new sheriff in town. And this comes into play here, as the town of Deadwood's previous sheriff was none other than the infamous Wild Wild Bill Bill Hickok. How'd you know that? Wild Bill was the law of the land until his death in 1876, the same year that Bullock arrived in town. After Hickok died, the camp began to demand law and order, and lucky for them, a new sheriff had just rolled into town. A new sheriff just rolled into town. Sure enough, a few months later, Bullock was installed as the first sheriff of Deadwood. Bullock was described as tall and with steely gray eyes and an imposing appearance that commanded instant respect. Sort of like me. Exactly. I'm going to put up a picture of him now. Ah, Brett! Sorry. Put up a picture of Seth Bullock. Thank you. He definitely looks the part of a lawman. I'll tell you what. I'm scared of that mustache. That, sir, is too much mustache for any one man to have. He looks like he just jumped out of Tombstone to me. Well, one thing is for sure, that ombre meant business. He probably scared the photographer with that look. I wonder how long it took him to pose for those kind of portraits. Well, if it was any more than two or three minutes, the photographer probably would have burst into flames from the sheer power of the mustache. (laughs) He does have some powerful eyes, so much so that his grandson later said of him, and I quote, he could outstare a mad cobra or a rogue elephant. You know who else could outstare a mad cobra? Who? Don't do it. Mm. Bullock wasn't intimidated by the lawless nature of the town and got right to work installing deputies of the same mindset to clean up the town. And clean it up he did. Law and order was shortly restored in the former lawless camp. And while this was happening, his hardware store continued to thrive. In 1879, the building even survived Deadwood's devastating fire. So his hardware store continued to prosper. I guess the Old West wasn't immune to the invasion of the coastal Georgia firebug. That doesn't even make sense. I rarely do. Speaking of fire, the next time, Bullock's business wasn't quite so lucky. There was another fire in 1894 that this time claimed the building, destroying his hardware store and leaving only the brick warehouse standing. That's unfortunate. Seems like everything burned in the 1800s. Maybe building materials were just more flammable then. It was probably because they didn't have the same fire abatement technology that we do now. That's a word I learned from you. Fire abatement. Yeah. Or if it's anything like what we learned last night, they sprayed it with pesticides for some reason. Yes. Tons of pesticides in the 1800s, which are apparently extremely extremely flammable. flammable. And that's part of the reason that the historic Savannah Theater burned down at least one of the times. Yeah. 
And I sure do love it when you use big fancy words like abatement. So back to Bullock, he was a smart man. So he and his partner, Soul Star, decided to go a different business route. Instead of rebuilding the hardware store, they decided to create Deadwood's finest hotel over the original store and warehouse. When finished, the hotel featured a 100-seat restaurant and served fine delicacies. The ornate lobby featured red velvet carpeting, oak trim, and even a Steinway grand piano. They got to have a piano, except I imagine it as a player piano. It always had the guy with the Charlie Chaplin hat sitting there playing the something when Yosemite Sam yeah. kicks at Dorian. He's like, all right, you varmints. <laughs> the hotel had 63 rooms, a bathroom on each floor, a library, and a parlor. What is a parlor anyway? It's like a living room with no TV. I don't think any of the rooms had TVs. Well, that that's why it's so a parlor. So why do you call it a parlor? Is that French for no TV? I think so. They just Pardon. sit around and they like smoke cigars and cigarettes and sounds very manly and talk. Yeah. Yes, very, very manly. Yeah, they didn't have anything else to do. This hotel became the most sought out luxury hotel of its time. Interesting. Bullock even acquired the building next door and turned it into a gentleman's bar. That might be a different kind of Is that the kind of like gentleman's club they have these might have days? Might just been women weren't invited. <laughs> I think that's more likely. Yeah. Seth died in 1919 at his ranch and was buried above Mount Moriah Cemetery. But that's not where he wanted to stay. Oh, no. Do tell. There have been many reports of Seth Bullock haunting the halls of his beloved hotel. Many strange occurrences have happened here. Reports include feelings of a strong paranormal presence inside several rooms and also in the hallways, in Bully's restaurant, and Seth's cellar. Many people have reported the apparition of Bullock at random locations inside the hotel. They say Seth still wanders around, making sure the staff is hard at work, pleasing the guests. Which is probably what you're going to do in the afterlife if you came back as a spirit. Yeah, make sure everyone's doing what they're supposed to be Don't doing. Don't you waste any time. <laughs> if you got time to lean, you got time to clean. Exactly. This is evidenced by paranormal events increasing in frequency when staff members are idle, whistle, or humming a tune. That's just lazy talk right there is what that is. Yeah, no time for that. In true haunted fashion, dinnerware has been said to shake and fly about the restaurant. Lights and appliances turn on and off by themselves. Items move of their own accord and showers just turn on out of the blue. Well, at least he doesn't sound malicious. If I was working in the hotel, he'd probably throw me down a flight of stairs and likely within the first 20 minutes of me working there, I'd be idle I'd be humming, <laughs> I'd be singing a song, and I might even be trying to play a hand of Pharaoh. This is about how long you would keep any job, you say, 20 minutes? It's any of these true. types of jobs? Mostly true. I'm just working on another level, that's all. It gets creepier, though. There's that word I'm not allowed to say. Well, it's been several episodes since you said it, so I think I'll let you have it back. You don't know how much this means to me. Don't ever do it like you do the John Wayne photos. You like that? Yeah. It was creepy, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. That was not creepy. It was annoying. Guests have reported hearing their name called out by a man when there's no one around and have even said they've been tapped on the shoulder when no one's there. I wonder why we didn't get tapped on the shoulder last night. I think it's because we just kept getting interrupted. If we could have just yeah. been by ourselves. Yeah, like we'd go into a room by ourselves and, and everyone followed us. People show up. Yeah, it's like we're, they gravitated towards it's us. It's like they thought we were professionals. Yeah, they thought we knew what we were doing. And then we, we just had some random woman on the tour say that uh, she liked my voice and thought it was powerful. And if she's listening to this, thank you so much for the compliment. 
Yeah, and uh, we gave her a card, so maybe she, she said she was going to listen. She might listen, who yeah, knows? she said she would. Whistling has been heard, and the requisite footsteps in the hallways when there is no one present. As there always is. In the upper floors of the hotel, guests report other odd phenomena, such as photographs producing strange anomalies, like their eyes moving, is that what they're saying? That would be amazing. Like the and Scooby-Doo. I haven't made a Scooby-Doo reference in like two episodes, so we're <laughs> going to go with yes. Alarm clocks go off even when they're unplugged. And we've heard that one before. Shadowy figures in rooms and hallways. Ditto. And an antique alarm clock that still chimes even though it hasn't functioned in years. Okay, that's a new one. The Bullock Hotel was even featured in an episode of the TV show Unsolved Mysteries. If you want to see it, it was on Season 5, Episode 13. And we watched that segment. Thanks, YouTube. We did. Maybe we have to go visit it. It's not just a hotel. It's also a casino. Ah, well, that does it. <laughs> Time to go play some craps with old man Bullock. I wonder if while Bill's there playing some poker or Pharaoh as it was. I think it's mostly just slot machines. Eh, well, I'm wearing this hat if we go. You're not allowed to wear that hat anywhere. outside. That's not very John Wayne of you. If you put a picture of him on that screen. The story from Unsolved Mysteries is interesting. It deals with a psychic at the time who lived in England. His name was Sandy Bullock. It's a man. And he has no relation to the Bullock in our story, though. That's weird. He claims to have received a message from Bullock through a translator who told him that the lawless times were supposed to come back if they didn't watch out in 1993. This was filmed in 1991, so that was the future. Yeah. This was before the widespread internet. So the fact that a man in such a remote location knew about this was a little weird, but it got weirder. As it always does. He wrote an open letter to the hotel warning them. The owner of the hotel at the time, Mary, assumed that he had gotten his information about the hotel from a book about Bullock. However, at the end of his letter, he said, Seth can't haunt the hotel right now because of all the banging that's going on, but he'll be back and you'll know that it's old Seth. This was shocking to her because Old Seth was the name her aunt had always called Bullock. They were also renovating the hotel at the time, which explained all the banging. Aha. And there's no way this man all the way in England would have been able to know this. Unless he had an inside source, such as a spirit from beyond. Local journalist Renee Webb was intrigued and wrote back to Bullock with a test question. She asked him, who was the well-known person that was a close friend of Seth Bullock's? And how is Bullock's grave positioned in relation to that friendship? And it turns out that our boy Bullock was good friends with Teddy Roosevelt, right? I didn't know that. That was the well-known person. Yeah, he was actually one of Roosevelt's Rough Riders. Bullock was even at Roosevelt's inauguration as president. When Roosevelt died, Bullock constructed the Friendship Tower two and a half miles from downtown Deadwood. When Bullock died, he was buried facing the Friendship Monument. So back to this Sandy Bullock. His response was, Tall trees block the view from his old bones, but Teddy and he still meet in the afterlife. Spooky. Yeah. Renee was shocked by Sandy's accuracy. She believes that the message refers to a stack of pine trees that obstruct Roosevelt's monument from Seth Bullock's gravesite. She does not believe that it would be possible for Sandy to have researched this information. And that's the story of Old West legend Seth Bullock and his fabulous hotel. Fabulous. So if you're looking for a place to stay when you're tired from a long day of gambling in the Old West and decide to stay at the Bullock Hotel, watch out. You may be paid a visit by more than just an empty wallet. 
You may come face to face with the law himself. You know, I wonder if he would shoot me if I told him that I'm his Huckleberry. <laughs> Most likely. I guess I'll just have to settle for a look in the park. <laughs> you do. So that's going to bring us to our third story. The Haunted Crystal Palace Saloon of Tombstone, Arizona. You wrote a story with my name in it, and you didn't even have me read it. I just didn't want to take any chances, baby. You know how it is. Go ahead. Say it. Read the title. The Haunted Crystal Palace Saloon of Tombstone, Arizona. Well, you definitely did it pretty. (laughs) Thank you. You know I wasn't going to let our first Old West episode not include something from Tombstone, right? I'm honestly never surprised by anything you do. Mm, Me too. It would actually be pretty scary if I started acting logically sometimes. I guess we'll find out if you ever do. Ah, ah. So we're going to move the story to Tombstone, Arizona. This locale is famously known for the shootout at the OK Corral between lawmen led by Virgil Earp, and a loosely organized group of outlaws called the Cowboys that happened in 1881. But that is a story for another episode. What we're talking about this week is the Haunted Crystal Palace Saloon. This longtime fixture of Arizona was originally known as the Golden Eagle Brewery and was one of Tombstone's first and finest saloons. When you walk into the building, You see the amazing Old West decor, from the beautiful chandeliers to the mahogany bar that runs almost all the way to the entrance. The back bar has an ornate design with large mirrors. So Virgil actually had an office upstairs, and the coolest part, Doc Holliday himself and his companion, Big Nose Kate, were regulars. Now I can see why you picked this place. So the building that's there now is not the original building. Like almost every other building we talk about on our show, this one has... Burnt down? Yes. In May of 1882, the building was caught up in a fire that destroyed most of the business district. This destroyed the Golden Eagle Brewery. Shortly Thereafter, they built a new two-story building, which would become the Crystal Palace, a saloon and gaming parlor. And the second floor was rented to some notable tenants, as we mentioned earlier, one of those being Virgil Earp. On July 22, 1882, the Crystal Palace opened its doors. It seems the focal point when you entered the building was a central fountain with a goldfish pond. Fancy. It is. It's changed hands many times over the years, but thankfully it's still there and running. And it seems that some of the past patrons still like to hang around for drinks. Oh, so it's haunted? It is. I know what you're thinking. With the picture that's typically painted of the Old West, every single saloon probably had fights and gunfire and all types of rowdy behavior. Maybe you're imagining Doc himself pulling a quick draw on someone trying to cheat him at Pharaoh. And the weird thing is, you'd be wrong in this case. The saloon wasn't the site of gunfights or murders. So what causes the spirits we're talking about to cling to the saloon? Maybe it was a familiar place for them and thus draws them back to haunt its halls because of the strong affinity they had for the place itself. It was, after all, a very swanky establishment 
at the time. I love swanky establishments. You are a very swanky girl. (laughs) People have reported the sounds of boots and spurs, slamming doors, strange apparitions and photographs, and the most interesting to me, a roulette wheel that spins by itself. We love roulette, especially the ones with the digital machines in Vegas. Yeah. Those are fun. But at least there's still a wheel on it, though, right? Yeah. I suppose it takes your money just as easily that way. Yeah. We can (laughs) attest to that. Here's a statement by the manager at the time, Colin Reagan, from the Arizona Daily Sun in 2009. I've witnessed the roulette wheel at the Crystal Palace move by itself. I'm from Boston, and I've never seen the kinds of things that I'm seeing since I started working there. It's a little creepy. He took your word. He did. And I've used it twice in this episode. (laughs) And of course, the accounts of full body apparitions in period 19th century clothing have been reported frequently as well. Doc Holliday and Big Nose Kate were known to be lovers for some time. When they were in Tombstone together, they would often be seen at the Crystal Palace Saloon, although known at the time as the Golden Eagle Brewery. They traveled together, but by the time they made it to Tombstone, it seems their relationship was near its end. They would regularly be at the Crystal Palace and have arguments that could be heard all around the saloon. And, no surprise, the more they drank, the louder those arguments got. That happens. Indeed. (laughs) Kate even tried to help pin two murders on Doc by signing a document that implicated him in said murders. Seems extreme. It does. Thankfully for Doc, his longtime friend, White Earp, was able to find witnesses who attested to the fact that Doc couldn't have been involved. This, unfortunately, spelled the end of Doc and Kate's relationship. Uh-huh. Seems like a slight him. overreaction, don't <laughs> Just you think? a little bit. You know, it seems that in death, Kate may regret this episode as there have been many accounts of a provocatively dressed woman that typically is standing around the bar. Does she have a big nose? I didn't ask. <laughs> I should have. I've seen pictures of her in real life. She, she was, was a looker. Yeah, she didn't look she, anything like the girl in Tombstone. And Doc. Actually, he looked sort of cool. The yeah. real Doc Holliday looked like what you might picture Doc Holliday looking yeah. like. He didn't have a Seth Bullock mustache, no. <laughs> but I've never seen anyone with a Seth Bullock no. mustache. Reports are typically when people see her, she looks like she's looking around intently for someone. And maybe that is the ghost of Kate, who is looking for her former lover to make amends. Sorry I framed you for murder. You know how it is sometimes <laughs> here in the Old West. You know, every once in a while, you got to do what she's got to do. You got to pin a few murders on top of somebody. It's just how things roll. There is another apparition, that of an older gentleman, well-dressed in 1880s clothing. He is usually seen sitting at a table, only to stand up and head to the restroom, as old men are wont to do. (laughs) But he never comes out. That's not unusual. As old men are wont (laughs) to do. Could this be Virgil Herb? I'd like to think so. People have been known to take pictures in the bar and have shadowy figures standing behind them Hmm. in those photos. Cowboy ghosts are the best. Yeah, they're not anything like creepy children ghosts. No. I just wanted to touch on this 
story because I love Doc Holliday. That's what I thought. Yeah. So I think that'll do it for our stories today, which you know what that means. It's time for insert graphic here. What What we're we're watching. watching. So I tried my best to find a Western-themed comedy horror film to go along with this week's stories. And in typical Brett fashion, I failed miserably. Yeah, I should have looked myself, and I probably could have found a better movie than this. uh, Yeah, I have no doubt about that. So what I decided on... As it's my week to pick, and it may be my last week. <laughs> it to is pick, your last week. Is the 1990 horror western movie Grim Prairie Tales? Catchy title, but that's as far as it goes. Yeah. And part of the driving factor as to why I picked this one was the fact that it features James Earl Jones, the voice of Darth Vader. Yeah, that was the best part and only good part of that movie, I'd say. So I'll lay this one out for you. The movie opens with a man riding his horse through the desert. He sets up his camp for the night and sits by the campfire ready to rest for his long journey ahead. One little thing is that guy is the voice of Chucky. Did you know that? I did not know that. It is. He's worm tongue too, right? he is. From Lord of the Rings. Rings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then James Earl Jones shows up in one of the cheesiest costumes I have ever seen (laughs) on a movie or TV show with a corpse hanging off the side of his horse. Was it El Morte? It might have been. It's El Muerte. El Muerte. Okay. El Muerto. El Muerto. I'm the worst at (laughs) pronunciations. Pronunciations. I think he called the corpse Charlie. Oh, okay. So it wasn't Vidal. Unless that's his (laughs) alias. Oh, okay. They decide to tell each other horror stories over the fire to get to know each other a little better. And thus the movie turns into an anthology. So I believe that Crystal maybe got a little bit of hopefulness when I told her it was an anthology movie. Yeah, that's why I was on board with your choice to begin with, but I regretted it. It was quickly. a short movie, though. It did yes. have a short runtime. Yes. It was like an I hour was and pleased half. with the runtime. That's why I'll give it what I'll give it. Yeah. And they tell a total of four stories. And I must say, I really only liked one of them. Yeah. The second story was really stupid and a little disturbing. Yeah, and I don't think we can even talk about that one. Although we could, but I'm not going to. (laughs) The only one that actually felt like a real story was the last one about a gunslinger. Yeah, most of these stories felt very amateurish to me. Mm -hmm. And I'm still not sure about the point of the third one. No. And maybe I'm not enough of a cinephile to get the imagery from that story. Who knows? Maybe it had a deeper meaning. We were just like, um, was that the end? That's how I felt at the end of all, but the last one actually is like, really? That's how it ends? Yeah. So, Crystal, how would you rate this movie on a scale of one to 12 dog treats and why? I would give it three, one for James Earl Jones, two for the runtime, and three for the voice of Chucky. And that's as much as I could give it. Yeah. I don't recommend this one. I have to agree with Crystal on this. This was just not a good movie. I wanted to like it. I wanted to like it. it. Seem, it's an anthology. It's, it's got James Earl Jones. Yeah. It's in the Old West. Yeah. And it could have been really good. And I think the stories that they used maybe could have been better. Yeah, if it wasn't they were, even the acting. It was the story writing. Yeah, the acting was was. Pretty good. Yeah, it was the, all the characters. The writing suffered. It lulled a lot. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of nothing going on, and then there was no resolution. Yeah, even the beginning of the movie took forever to even get started. Yeah, yeah it did. So my review of this movie is: I'm actually going to give it four and a half stars. What's the half for? 
just because I wanted to sound, you know, real reviewy. Okay. You know, I give it, I'll, I give it four and a half stars because I like the premise mm-hmm. and it could have been better. I love James Earl Jones. He did a fine job, yeah. but he's basically, I believe the term is chewing the scenery. Mm-hmm. I think that's what they say in these kinds of uh, instances. He was so much better than that movie was. Yeah. He was probably regrets that role, I imagine, probably. at this point. I just love the Old West. So it wasn't a terrible movie. It wasn't no, a movie. It wasn't unwatchable. It or wasn't anything. like Transformers 2. No, it wasn't like you would get up out of the theater and walk no. out. But it, it was, was just a sort of a thing you're like. You're let down. You're let down. But at the same time, I didn't have high hopes for it. It didn't take long to figure where it was going. The stories were quite predictable when they had an ending. Yeah. But you can't predict an ending that never occurs. But if you want to watch something that is good, something else we've been watching this week is a show on Netflix called Is It Cake? That and is amazing. Yes. So it's I not love a Mikey horror. Day. Yeah, it's not horror and it's not, you know, anything like that. But it is a really cool Netflix show. Yes. Game show type thing with Mikey Day from Saturday Night Live. He's, He's hilarious. He's so funny. I love yeah. Mikey Day. It's a really neat premise for a show. So I recommend watching that yeah. instead of Grim Prairie. I Tales. give that 12 dog treats. Yeah, I would give that 12. 12 dog We're really enjoying that. Now. So, yeah. So that brings us to the portion of our show that we like to call Layla, Layla and, and Coffee, Coffee Talk. Talk. So, Crystal, please tell me what have our beasts been up to this week? It's been a pretty eventful week for them. Um, the other day, Layla was walking around with a limp for some unknown reason. We were like, are we going to have to take her to the vet? Yeah. I looked at her paw, too. We thought yeah. here at the beach, we have things called sand spurs, mm-hmm. and they are little spiky balls that are extremely painfully sharp, yeah. and they stick to everything. Yeah. And occasionally, our dogs have gotten them stuck to their paws, yeah. and they won't pull them off. They'll just walk around with it, and they limp. So I looked, and there was no sand spur on Layla's foot. Yeah, so she probably just got it in a little tussle. Paw. With a, you know, she probably just got in a little tussle with her sister. A little tussle. Well, well, normally they have little tussles, but Usually. this week I was cleaning up um, Kirsten's room, which is now our studio, and Thanks, I found <laughs> I found a half-eaten Slim Jim, a big Slim Jim, yeah, like a big one, jumbo, jumbo, like that long. And I threw it in the trash in a trash bag and put it on the back porch um, for it to get taken out. And I wasn't thinking, and apparently Coffee went out there and got it. Yeah. Took it into our bedroom and then a real fight occurred. Yes. I had to tear them apart. I had to put myself in between two fighting dogs. They're they're sweet dogs. They're both sweet dogs. But the one thing, the two things that you don't ever want to get in between with these dogs is any kind of food or a bone, like a rawhide bone. They will kill you. Well, not you. Things. They'll kill each other. No, they won't kill us. But they, <laughs> I think neither one of them feels that the other is ranked the higher dog. in the hierarchy. Yeah. Because yeah. they view Crystal as the lead dog. Yeah. <laughs> they view me as like the spiritual guidance, like the shaman type person in the You're clan. You're the keeper of the food. I'm the keeper of the food, and thus they value me. Yeah. But they don't respect me. <laughs> so they don't fear me. So I was at work, and you had to pull them apart. Yeah, I had blood all over my arm. Yeah, uh, coffee got a little cut she on her ear. She got a cut on her ear, and ears bleed a lot. There, there was no serious injuries. It looked way worse than it was. And then yeah, but two we minutes saw, after. We saw that 55% pit bull come out. Yeah, we did. I <laughs> saw it because I came out of the bathroom, honestly, and she was laying on the bed. Layla's in the floor. They have this habit of if they hear a car door 
close within a six mile radius. They jump up and start barking because they think someone's here to see them. Layla jumped up and barked. Coffee jumped up and lost her mind, launched herself off the bed. And they they don't go after each other's throats. No. It was really just they, they play fight a lot, mm-hmm. but then they just get a little bit too aggressive yeah. and it just caused some bloodshed. But after, yes, shortly thereafter, they were just best friends again. Yeah, they just completely forget that yeah. it ever happened. Yeah, it traumatized me more than anybody, yeah. honestly. I called Chris on my, like, I can't believe I'm alive. Oh, no. <laughs> I just got a little bite on my hand, but it's okay. I put antibiotics on it. I survived. Good times. So today, their latest Bark Box arrived, and oh, it was yes. Vegas themed, and we didn't yeah. even choose that. It's like they knew. I'm like, send us Vegas every week, baby. Yeah, someone must be like looking at our social media from they Bark Box. They probably got cookies. Yeah. Did you accept cookies? <laughs> I don't know. You always accept cookies. I guess I did. These websites make you accept cookies, and okay. you never get any actual cookies. Oh, I love cookies. I do, too. So anyway, it was Vegas themed and they both got a toy. One of them was like a little slot machine reel and the other one was a card shark. So it was really cute. And we had one of our listeners actually tell us that's what it was. We were confused. I thought yeah. it was a dolphin. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Tammy. Uh, coffee made short work of that. Yes. It's it, all over the floor right yeah, now. Yeah. It's in pieces. Layla still got hers intact, so it'll probably make it chill tomorrow. What a great dog. Yeah, so they enjoyed their Bark Box. Now, if you want to find out more about our show, please find us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, TikTok, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Look for the user at Scary Savannah. On YouTube, please subscribe to our channel. Just go look for it in the search bar on YouTube. Subscribe, like, and comment on as many videos as you can, please. And please make sure to tell your friends about our podcast. We would love to extend our reach and take our silly brand of lighthearted entertainment about serial killers (laughs) and paranormal events to the whole world. Go to our website at scarysavannahandbeyond.com. And you can find up there all the various links to YouTube and various other players. Makes it even easier than trying to search for us. We've got everything on the website. We right? do. Go buy my lovely wife a coffee. Bottom left-hand corner of your screen, you'll see the little coffee cup emblem. You can go buy her coffee there. It is greatly appreciated if you could support our podcast in this way, because apparently I've been using up the very expensive bulletproof coffee, not realizing that's what it was. You have. It's like I've been pouring out your coffee cups in the afternoon and it's full and it's like really expensive coffee. It is. You can leave us a voicemail if you go to our website and look at the bottom right-hand side of the screen. There's a little microphone icon. Click on that. You can do it on a computer or a smartphone. Directly leave us a message. We can play it on the show. Or if you just want to say something to us, that's great. you have any questions, corrections, as I'm sure we probably need a few after learning some of that history at the Savannah Haunted Theater, we weren't very far off. But we did get a few things wrong. And... (laughs) We may do a correction in some future update, but I doubt it, (laughs) unless somebody says specifically. You can also give us a call at the phone number 912-406-2899, 912-406-2899. Give us all kinds of messages. Tell you what, let us know what Big Old West is saying about these cowboy stories. Have you seen more than three Old West movies? I'd love to hear what they are. <laughs> I want to add them to the playlist. I've actually seen more than that. It's just you put me on the spot. My mind went totally blank, which is weird for me. It is. I usually have something to say 
So have you thought of another one yet? High Plains Drifter. Is that you the ones said I said that earlier? One. You said that. Yeah. Have you seen it? Yeah. Okay. I think that's a Clint Eastwood one. It is. There but it I've is. never seen it. Yeah. I've, what's uh, it? What's it about? It's it's about this cowboy. Uh huh. And he's he's out on these plains. <laughs> Are they hot? And they're high. <laughs> or is he hot? And he's a drifting on these plains <laughs> on his horse with his rifle. Wait a minute. What about that? Um, Three Mules for Sister Sarah. Isn't that a Western? That's a Western, too. McClintock. You remember that one? That was a John Wayne movie. Oh, wait, no. What was the one where he, yeah. Three Amigos. Okay, there you go. Now you got five. That's not really a Western, but in my opinion. It sort of is. You know, know, everyone has an El Wapo in their life. (laughs) And mine is, in fact, the actual (laughs) El El Wapo. You can join our Patreon for as little as $3 a month. That's another way to help support the podcast at patreon.com forward slash scary Savannah. And there are tiers where you can get awesome merchandise like coffee mugs, T-shirts, access to upcoming Patreon-only episodes, and other features. Exclusive content. Exclusive That's the word you're looking for. I am seeking for words. They do not come to me at 2 in the morning. <laughs> which is what time it is when yeah, we're recording is. this podcast and go to our website please go to our merch store you can show them the coffee mug crystal isn't that amazing that's layla and coffee talk and that's coffee <laughs> but you can call her talk if you like and our original scary savannah mug you can also get shirts you can get hats you can get hoodies you can get all kinds of cool stuff and we have a few coupons left uh 20% off if you just enter Scary Savannah 20 at checkout and you can get that discount. We would love for you to pick some stuff up. And don't forget to enter our April merchandise giveaway. We're having entries all the way up to the end of the month. And all you have to do is go to our website, click on the giveaway tab, answer three very simple and easy questions, go to our YouTube page like and comment on any of our videos honestly it doesn't have to be our latest video i know what it is and you are entered into the drawing and we will give somebody away their choice of either a scary savannah and beyond t-shirt in your choice of color and size or the original coffee mug which comes in a choice of yellow or black or you can get the new layla and coffee talk mug in a variety of colors and we can send that right to you and you're going to love it our first uh giveaway has actually been delivered and i yeah. hope that the winner of that is really enjoying their new shirt we also got new stickers in so if you enter all you have to do is let us know you entered and if you want a sticker just send us your address and we will send you a free sticker yeah we will mail it right to you yeah And I guess that leaves just the one last thing. Join us next time in Savannah, where the ghosts and the good times live on. But you know who don't? That high plains drifter? He's riding his horse out down the horizon on a high horse drifting. (laughs) Is he high or the horse high? Yes. (laughs) 